Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavere, a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times best-selling book, Genius Foods. In this episode of the show, I'm super excited to introduce you to my good friend, Abel James. Abel is the New York Times best-selling author of The Wild Diet. He's the host of the wildly popular Fat Burning Man podcast, and he was the star of the ABC TV show, My Diet is Better Than Yours. In this super fun episode of the show, you're going to discover the key that Abel found for helping him shed fat and develop the confidence to be shirtless all over the internet. He really is, folks. You're going to discover how to seamlessly integrate more nature into your day, how to balance multiple passions in a single feed world, very helpful for all you multi-hyphenates out there, and finally, what you stand to gain by seeing yourself as an N of one study. I really enjoyed getting to have this conversation with Abel because I've been on his podcast once before and we recently taped a second appearance where I talk all about my work and Genius Foods and uh, it was a real treat hosting him on my show, so I'm excited for you to listen to it. But before we get to it, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about my current favorite protein bar. It comes from Perfect Keto. Now you guys know that I definitely take a whole foods approach to my diet and lifestyle, but sometimes when I'm on the go and I wanna satiate my hunger, I do reach for, um, you know, the occasional protein bar. But the problem is many protein bars are made with hyper-processed ingredients and can, whether or not they're marketed as low-carb bars, mess with your blood sugar. The founder of Perfect Keto, I know, diligently formulated his protein bar so that it would have no effect on blood sugar. Um, and in his own little N of 1 experiment, he's actually posted some of the blood sugar repercussions of many commonly available protein bars, and his didn't budge the needle at all. So if you're looking to live a low-carb sort of lifestyle, and especially if you're on a ketogenic diet, definitely check out Perfect Keto's Keto Bar. There are no added sugars, no sugar alcohols. Each bar has about 10 grams of protein, which come from a combination of almond butter and collagen protein. Many of the ingredients are organic, and it's only sweetened with stevia. Now, to be totally honest, there are more delicious protein bars out there on the market, but many of them mess with your blood sugar. The Perfect Keto Bar claims to not mess with it at all and um, I know that that was really important to them when they were formulating the bar. So go to perfectketo.com slash max10 or use promo code max10 and you'll get to save 10 bucks off of a box of the Perfect Keto bar. Again, that's code max10. You'll end up saving $10 off, which is a great savings. You can then use that $10 to give to charity. All right, guys. Now, before we get to the show, if you want to support this podcast, well, that would mean the world to me. And there's uh, a few simple ways that you can do it. For one, if you leave a rating and review on iTunes, well, that would be the bomb because that helps draw new ears to the show. The second way that you can support the podcast is by joining my newsletter at maxlugavere.com. When you join my newsletter, that is a great way for me to let you know about important episodes of the show that I don't want you to miss, products that I'm really digging, research that I think should really be on your radar, and more. You can opt out anytime, and I promise I don't give your email address to anybody. No spam ever. Again, go to maxlugavere.com, enter your first and last name and your email address, and we will be in touch. All right, guys. Now, without further ado, I'm excited for you to listen to my conversation with my man, Abel James. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't hesitate to share it on social media and tag me. If I see it, I promise I will uh, reshare your post. All right, guys. Much love. Here's the show. Abel James, thank you for being here, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's an honor to have you on my podcast because... Um, I've been on your podcast and you are like a luminary in the health and fitness space. You've oh, been at it for such a long time. And so it's uh, it's an honor to have you here. You're making me sound old. <laughs> you're not old. You're like, you know, one of the few Adonises in the space, actually. You're always shirtless on social media. Oh, God. 
intimidating. People don't know, click on pictures of kale, unfortunately. <laughs> I, otherwise, I'd be the vegetable eating man. <laughs> You're the fat burning man. How That's did you, right. I'm how, burning fat this instant. How did you come to uh, to create that alias for yourself? Like, what's the story there? Oh man, I still have the original little like logo that I made. It almost looked like Mega Man. It was kind of this idea where I never wanted to have a, a boring title or, or kind of a generic one, and I thought of it more like a band name. Um, and also something that that you get a little bit of the idea of, of what it might be about by hearing it. Um, so making it not boring and also like having it explain something is really difficult. But Fat Burning Man is a play on words that means a few things, right? Um, but most people know what it means. It's related to health in some way, and I use it as the jumping off point for a conversation about hopefully how to make our minds better and our lives better. But the the health piece and especially the nutrition piece is really just a jumping off point because you kind of have to have that nailed before you start to go after the other parts of your life, I think. And you were very overweight at one point. Is that correct? I was very overweight, but I was quite ill. I was probably like 30 pounds overweight, but I'm not a big guy. Um, I'm 5'9 generously, and I was, uh, I was, I don't know what my body fat was at the worst. I really don't care to know <laughs> at this point, but I know what my face looked like, and it was round and chubby and inflamed, and my thyroid was crapping out, my body temperature. I couldn't keep it above like 96 degrees, which is not cool, especially if you're in your early 20s. Um, I was having a bunch of kidney stones. It was like I felt like I was in my 40s or 50s and, and, and kind of looked like it, except I was in my early 20s. So I think to some degree I was like the canary in the coal mine back then because I was like more sensitive than some of my friends who were the same age, who, was, who had always been healthy or whatever. And um, and so, yeah, having struggled with it back then, I was really mad when I stopped doing what I was told to do by doctors and by running magazines and all the other ways that you're supposed to to eat and live and, and over-exercise your perfect diet that's zero cholesterol, super low fat, you know, like putting napkins on your pizza healthy. It... At some point, I decided that I wouldn't listen to that doctor anymore uh, because he told me it would stop my heart and I would get super sick and and develop all this heart disease and and all this other stuff. I was trying to be healthy so hard that it made me really sick. And when I did the opposite of that, it was was relatively seamless getting my health back. And like the six-pack that you mentioned isn't something that I was ever after. It's more just like this is what we all should look like and feel like, and this is what's possible. And (laughs) I don't like being tricked. I really did not not enjoy being tricked, spending thousands and thousands of dollars at that doctor's office, on insurance, on medications, on all this stuff. And and so I just quickly went down that that way of living in my early 20s, and I'm happy that I did because there is no looking back. I will eat vegetables every day for the rest of my life. I will do whatever I have to myself to stay healthy. Um, and, and when you kind of adopt, adopt that mentality, other 
other things start to fall into place. And I think you get the confidence to make your own decisions, even if doctors are, who, who happen to be overweight themselves, by the way, with their own slew of health problems, even if they're pointing a finger at you saying that you're going to die of heart failure in your early 20s. So anyway, I'm a little bit outside of that now. It's been some time, and so I can see it through a different lens. But um, it's still playing out for almost everyone out there. If you walk into the doctor's office, you're going to walk out with a bunch of meds with a whole slew of problems that you didn't know you had that identify you as sick for the rest of your life in one way and so, or, or several ways. And so I don't want people to be sentenced to that. And uh, that's why I do what I do. And I'm really happy that we've been at it for so long at this point. Yeah, I love what you said, you know, and it, it made me think about the tragedy that looking good today and having, you know, a six pack abs is something that we actually idealize today. But being able to it's look normal. your best should be a right for every person. And today, yeah. unfortunately, it's a privilege. You only have to look to the 50s, right, where you see pictures of almost anyone who is scantily clad or at the beach. They're all just like very healthy looking humans, right, in a time that we're blowing everything up with atom bombs. Like it was possible even in imperfect times. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are so many factors at play. It's the food supply that's become mangled by, you know, I mean, any number of factors. Um, but what did you find really were the, uh, the roadblocks um, before you sort of had the, the revelation that you had? And then what were some of the key steps that you took to um, really right the ship in uh, regards to your health? It was, it was really a, a matter of having confidence and trust in my own common sense more than anything else. And also, also I had seen my older brother who um, growing up struggled with drugs and um, at, at one point with opiates, I think, you know, he's taller than me, but he was like maybe 138 pounds or something like that, just like rail, rail thin, sickly thin. And wow. then he caught the, I think he watched Pumping Iron for the first time. <laughs> with the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic, right? And then oh, I saw him over the next like six, eight months. He was up to like 220 pounds, of just like solid muscle. He looked great um, wow. and looked healthy all of a sudden. And I'm just like, what did you do? And um, he had a bunch of bacon in his fridge. He had like some protein powders and he had like a bench, like a weight bench. And that was pretty much it. He's a very minimalist kind of guy and I that blew my mind seeing that that was possible for my brother um because I I growing up was kind of the chubby brother and like the one who my dad sat me down and talked and he's just like listen if you if you could be athletic or you could be kind of overweight that's just in our genetics it kind of happened to me and this is you had this decision and um that decision I've, I've continued to exercise and and hold as mine throughout my life I've made lots of of decisions that were wrong in all sorts of different ways. But I think if you give yourself the freedom to experiment, to be your own N equals one experiment, right? To, to trust what happens to you. If you eat a food and it makes you feel bad, then maybe it's not good for you. Even if that guy, that expert, that guru sells it and says that it's great. Maybe it's not, you know, it's, and, and in the world that we live in, that's, 
easier said than done. Like this stuff sounds obvious, but for me, I was trapped in my head. I was trapped in this worldview that like I went to an Ivy League school. I studied science. You know what I mean? Like none of that can be wrong. Otherwise, everything I've always chased and, and strived after, all this intelligence and knowledge might be at risk of crumbling, right? And so I think we need to be a little bit nicer to ourselves and the world at large and and accept the fact that we do not know everything right now, but we know enough to make some some pretty clear common sense calls like eating your veggies, eating clean meats, not overdoing it with sugar, not eating a whole bunch of junk food, obviously, even if it's sold as, as health food, and then going out and moving your body in your own way. Uh, you don't have to go to a gym. You don't have to hand them the keys and say, like, you're going to work out for me from now on. It's like, no, you still have to work out, even if you get injured, even if you're, you know, like traveling somewhere else. Um, it's, it's all about self-reliance and personal responsibility, I think, in the end. And I'm sure that would have been a different answer if you asked even the other day, you know, but like, this is what I keep learning over time. You need to give yourself, like, you are your own guru. I've always kind of know, known that's true, but um, don't take it from Max or me. It's like you got to do this on your own. Yes, I love that. What role does nature play in your life and your health? It's everything. It's like if, uh, if you're standing on top of a tower in a city and you go to the top and have that Titanic moment right, where you're like, I'm the king of the world. Everything's great. We know everything. You can kind of feel for a second maybe – that that we're better than nature, we're separate from nature, or that we can trick our bodies into doing our bidding, or you know whether it's getting that six pack or whatever. But we live at eight thousand feet here in the Rocky Mountains, and if you go up to some of the fourteen thousand foot mountains and you stand on the top of it and you try to do that, nature will blow you down in a second. You'll get head butted by a mountain goat that lives at fourteen thousand feet. You know, it's like a, a, a gigantic boulder will come down and crush you if you go out in nature with that sort of mentality. And so that's how I approach health as well. It's like <laughs> all the squirrels out there and the birds. They don't worry about being athletic or fat or anything in between. They're living and they're honoring nature. And I believe that most of us are not, including myself, very often. And we need to be extremely careful in this day and age to try to do our best to get more in line with nature. We are not better. We are not separate. We cannot control it. And if we try to, it will crush us is what I believe. I may not be right, but I'm pretty sure I am. <laughs> but it's also not my idea. This is like, this is an ethos that almost all of our ancestors always carried because they had to. Um, because they, it would never even occur to them to, to think that they were better than nature. That's saying that you're better than God in, in according to a lot of religions and, and spiritualities and ways of thinking. So to me, nature is everything. And uh, we need to be really careful to work with nature and cooperate with it instead of trying to force it to do our bidding. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, when I think about uh, people that really have um, integrated nature into their into their lifestyles, I mean, you're one of the people that, you know, that come to mind first. I mean, your book, The Wild Diet, I mean, all of your photos on social media, it's like, you shirtless in the woods somewhere, chopping wood. 
I mean, you're the you're the guy. So how can people that are listening to this um, that maybe live in big cities where the skyscrapers blot out the sun? I mean, how can how can people um, pepper their days with more uh, more nature? Actually, I, I read in your book, and this isn't necessarily nature, but it, it's it's a teaching from nature to some degree. If you look back in time, never would we have sat in the same place all day, really. We would have been getting up and doing things, usually to be productive in some way or or create something, build something, fix something, whatever. But you said, in your book, you and, and the Dr. Cole author were doing kettlebell swings, right? Like in the middle of <laughs> writing it for brain health. But yeah. also that's a very natural thing to do. And, and so I think it's important to do things like that over the course of your day and over the course of your life, right? Like reinserting the things that have been taken away, uh, like recess. They took away arts from schools. They took away gym. They took away recess. Let's put it back in our lives, though, because we can all do that every day. And I think we have to if we want to be sane. Um, And if you really want to live a life that's yours, it takes a lot more quiet time and and time in... um, I don't want to say solitude, but nature teaches us something and makes us feel, I think, a part of a whole instead of better than or separate from. And so I I used to travel a lot. I'm not doing it as much right now, but um, for years I was traveling more days than I I was not. And I was in, it was in cities a lot of the time. I lived in Austin, Texas for almost 10 years, which is a city. Um, Austin used to be a lot greener than it is now, but it doesn't matter which city you go to. Um, what I do is I tend to, I, I pop open a, a maps app and I just look for the green space that's close. And oftentimes I'll just run over there or you could take an Uber over there or you could just drive over there, wherever it is, maybe where you're living right now. In fact, I was visiting, I don't consider him an, a health expert, but a lot of other people do. Um, I was visiting him out in California and I'm just like, where, where do you go hiking around here? It's just like hiking. What do you mean hiking? And I'm just like, there are mountains everywhere. It's like, let's go for a hike. And Within 20 minutes of his house was like this this place that was, I think, maybe two hours we were hiking. We didn't even go the whole way. Um, and it was just right there. You know, this beautiful place with these ancient trees that had been untouched by industry. Or at least, obvious, not in an obvious way it had been touched. But it was a natural environment that allowed us just to be ourselves for a second and kind of process life and get away from all the craziness um, and insanity that's dragging us down now. It's like you need to be really careful with what you let in because into your eyes, into your mind. It's because what people don't realize is if you're scrolling on, on social media, if you're on a feed or if you're on a website, that's not different from reading a book. You're going to have dreams about that. Like you're doing the equivalent of, of reading a book and, and gambling at the same time. <laughs> it's one of these things where you're getting addicted to something that's wasting your time and impacting um, – your, your own psychology and affecting your own psychology, whether or not you're following that person who's advertising you, whether or not you really pay attention to that clickbait headline that somehow gets in there and steals your attention for a second, whether or not that's, that's you and you identify it. If you see it and it's going in there, it's affecting you. And so I really realized that when we decided to move out to the Smoky Mountains for a little while in Tennessee, just away from everything, and that was too remote. But I realized over the course of a few months that I had not seen a single billboard. I had not seen any advertisements for hamburgers or fries or politicians or uh, clickbait or anything. It was like, oh, 
I could do, I, I could do whatever I want to in my own life. I don't, I don't need that stuff. It's not required. And it's not. We just like continuously check the same websites every day and the same, same social media channels. And we're advertised to and we're manipulated and we don't even know it. And so taking a step back is always helpful. I mean, you just got Wi-Fi for the first time in months. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean that to me Almost that like year. I'm shocked at how extreme that sounds, but you know, it's Doesn't it sound extreme? Like what was yeah, that people like? Are like I mean, you're dude. such a rebel, you're so extreme. It's like, dude, I grew up without cable. Like we got two and a half channels. My dad had to climb up on the roof if we, if we wanted to watch the game. It's like <laughs> I didn't grow up with internet. I didn't grow up with any of this stuff. None of us did. You know, it's like social media is invented. It's new. It doesn't even exist. Why do we all see it as God now? It doesn't make any sense. You know, the internet is the same way. It's um, one of those things where it's great that there's research there and you can find it, but you have to weed through a cesspool to get there now. It didn't used to be that way. I was really thankful for the internet in a way that I'm not now in the kind of when I was getting started doing doing my show and, and podcasts and websites and stuff. It was like if you if you went on the internet and you typed in a few words about something you wanted to research, like that's great because some professor, his website, his blog would come up and hor- horribly formatted, you know, but it's got like, he, he's had it there since 1995 or 1999 or whatever. And it's got deep research and it's the first one you find. But now you type in anything. And you find cats playing the piano. You find advertisements for deodorant and mattresses. And then you hopefully find one thing that's supposed to be the professor, but it's like, in fact, a website that's pretending to be that same professor, you know? And and then it's like, it's so different now. And I'm not sure that everyone has has realized, because it's gradual, right? It's like the frog in the boiling water analogy. Yes. Yes. Beautiful analogy. because I'm a rebel taking the step back every once in a while, I can kind of see what's happening to, to people a little bit better from the outside in and see what social media is doing. Cause as I think, you know, we work in media, we are creators or whatever of content and it's our responsibility to not be bad for people, especially if we're in health. And what I see all over the place is that health is really bad for people. And that's why I got into this because like the establishment wasn't really on the internet yet. The manipulators weren't really, and now it's just saturated with all their crap. Now it's like the gossip magazines and the crappy reality TV shows and everything is just like everywhere. And so we need to be more careful, I guess. But, but the good news is that like you have a podcast now. I've had a podcast with, for years, so I have like over 250 episodes. We have a lot of people who we like and trust who we've been able to find over the years, right? You and I in the health field and and beyond that. So there were so many people doing great things that I don't want to lose sight of that. You can still find it. You just need to be really careful now. Yeah. I mean, I don't even, my, my platform, you know, is a fairly new thing. I mean, I've only really been doing this for the past two years, maybe longer, you know, a little bit longer than that. But, you know, from my vantage point, 
even before I had the platform that I have now, I mean, I would always acknowledge what a beautiful thing it is to be able to reach people with a megaphone like you do, like, you know, many other people in this space do and use it for good. I mean, you look at like what people are sharing on social media these days. You look at what's being put out by the media networks and things like that. And it's just like, it's no wonder we're all so stressed out and anxious and depressed. I mean, I was reading a, I was reading an article, um, Basically, uh, Barnes & Noble announced, the bookstore announced that this year, more than any other type of book, I could be butchering this, but basically the gist of the article was that um, the top selling book or perhaps the the biggest uh, increase in sales, like the the biggest growth sector um, in terms of books was books uh, that helped people deal with anxiety Hmm. this year. So that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, doesn't surprise me at all. So we don't have that much time left, but I want to shift gears because you are one of the few uh, renaissance men um, in this space. So I want to talk a little bit about like music and all the other stuff that you're doing because, you know, this is something that like I love music, obviously. And uh, and, you know, you've been doing it for a while and you've had to sort of like separate your two personalities. We've talked about this a little bit in the past, but now you're bringing them both together. And I think it's a beautiful thing. I recently talked to J.P. Sears about this um i have a, people who are listening may have seen his videos that are like satirical about everything in health but anyway like look him up if you haven't but what he does is he like his videos are in character for the most part where he is just like railing on keto or railing on something in the in the spiritual side of things but but he started off as being a, a very normal kind of spiritual coach and teacher and yoga instructor and that sort of thing. And he was really worried originally about bringing out any of the, the comedy. Um, but he wasn't really getting that much traction and didn't feel fulfilled doing it that way anymore. The normal way, the, the, the grown up way or whatever. And, uh, and so then that's how he's taken off and really taken over the internet, at least when it comes to health satire or whatever, kind of invented a whole new thing. And, um, and for me, I think it was, I had been doing music for so long, even when I started like the Fat Burning Man podcast, that I kind of stopped doing live shows, gave myself a break from that and funneled my energy into trying to affect people, as you said, with like a megaphone online, right? And But I was only 27. I don't have a degree in health, although I did study brain science and my mom's a nurse practitioner, and I was raised in alternative medicine in some ways. I didn't have um, a reputation in health. I didn't have any sort of standing. I didn't have any sort of credibility. Um, and I was young. And so I thought it was really important, especially since I could um, come online without the comedy, without railing on things too hard, but, but with a specific message that was valuing people's time. Um, and so that's that's kind of how I pursued my own show, the, the Fat Burning Man Show, which does kind of have a silly title. Like I never made it 100% serious, but I wanted to, um, I guess, I don't want to say like establish myself, but like be able to be taken seriously to do good work with other people who may be serious. Like Dr. Perlmutter I've had on the show two or three times over the years. And it's like, I don't want to be dressed up in a, pig costume playing guitar interviewing him you know what I mean it's like I want to be very professional well-researched and that that other identity 
that I have that can be well behaved. Um, and so that was really important at the beginning. And I felt like it was a different time too. It was less saturated. That's what people needed more. And in the, in the time since then, um, you know, I was in my mid twenties then now I'm in my mid thirties and it's a really different time in your life. And I feel like I don't need to put my foot down and try to be serious and establish myself as like a serious personality or a serious figure or anything like that. Not that that's what I was trying to do, but I was desperate to be, able to have serious conversations with people, even though I was 27. And I'm sure you can relate to that, right? It's like, oh, you're just a pretty face on TV or whatever. And like, um, that is, that's so regular mainstream media. And they pigeonhole you there, want you to be a talking head often in a lot of cases, and, and you're not able to really exercise free speech that much. And so for me, over the years, now it's like, Um, I am playing a ton of music again. And the thing that's really changed is that I couldn't, or it was harder to bring music online before. And now, since we have such good cameras, such good audio recording equipment, such good microphones, we were just talking about that. And even 360 video and virtual reality, which I'm starting to do a lot of now, now you can have virtual music experiences, virtual concerts, and, and that sort of thing. So it's been, um, it's been really fun to integrate that. But I've gotten a whole lot of hate. People are like, what do you think you're doing? I'm, I'm unsubscribing from this. What happened to this channel? You know, um, And you always go through that. It's always a double-edged sword, but being yourself is always going to be the right answer. Well, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to hear from you because – you know, I, one of the reasons why I launched the genius life, it's, you know, obviously to do something similar to what, what you've done in the sense that I want to be able to have a platform to talk to experts that pique my curiosity. Right. But I also want to be able to talk to people who I just want to be able to kind of like, be like, you know, Hey man, like I love what you're doing, whether it's like your music or your film, but I just wonder people, you know, a lot of people subscribe to my podcast because it's in the health vertical on iTunes. It's a health podcast. I'm obviously most known for my work in health. And so, you know, you're similar in the sense that you've got these two passions that are running in parallel and you've got an audience. So I'm wondering, you know, I guess I was wondering how you balance those two interests. (laughs) Well, I, I, in the past few weeks, actually, I've been going through some of my past poetry that I wrote way back when I was a teenager and, and then just kind of sitting down and writing some more because I was giving myself the space to do that. And I didn't feel like writing another serious book, uh, although it can be kind of serious. So some of those get a little political or at least ask people to ex- reexamine where they're at. And um, we'll see if that's a problem. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I haven't taken that many risks um, from, from, uh, I guess ever since the TV show and ever since the number one podcast, the New York times bestselling accomplishments that really don't change anything in your own life. Ever since that, I've, I've been sensitive to the fact that like I'm in a position of responsibility and I really don't want to alienate people, offend people, um, or, or lead people down the wrong path or, or give them any, any hate or negative emotions. But I, that's not mine. That's theirs, you know? Like, yeah. in the end, I can't hold that too close to my own emotions because it's not mine. People will hate what I do. People will. They already do. They have since the beginning. Um, 
when I first came out, uh, in, instead of doing the music thing and started up Fat Burning Man, can you imagine what my suit-wearing coworkers and consulting thought of that when they found the website <laughs> and when they saw me with my shirt off for the first time after knowing me as kind of the chubby guy? Um, I was not encouraged at the beginning in the same way that I'm sometimes not encouraged now by sharing certain opinions or, or art or music or poetry or whatever. And so uh, I asked Sean T about that, who is one of the greatest motivators that I've ever seen in person and, and also one of my friends and, and just a wonderful, wonderful guy. I mean, he gets a lot of haters and he, he said the answer is just basically he, he can't be wrong by being himself. And he knows what, what that truth is. And yeah. um, I thought that was really powerful. And I've, I've taken that to heart as well. Because the hate never stops. And the, uh, the questioning never stops. But you forget that it happened in some of your projects, I guess. You know what I mean? It's, like, yeah. it's easier to remember Fat Burning Man as the way that most people talk about it now. Because I've heard it so long than as it was at the beginning. It was a joke at the beginning. I was made fun of so hard. And now it's like, oh, you're super successful because you have fat burning men. It's like, it's the same silly name. I'm the same guy. Um, it really doesn't change a whole lot, but we do need to be really careful, especially if there are people listening to this who do create um, uh, audio content, video content. They do their own shows. It's really important to know that you're, you're driving and... Your true fans will come with you because they're not listening to you because it's a health show. They're not listening to you because you have abs. Maybe the people who just click and listen for a few seconds and leave a hateful comment, maybe that's you know what's, what's happening there. But the ones who really go deep and follow you, they're looking for something a little more. And I think, I think we all need a little bit more authenticity. Not, not the hypey word that marketers are using now, the fake yeah. authenticity. Like, no, be yourself. And that will ultimately come through to other people. And also it's like, I didn't, I didn't appreciate one of the things that happened, especially once I did the, the TV show. And I'm, I'm sure you can relate to this is that people tr try to treat you like a famous person instead of like a person. And you never stop becoming a person and neither do the people on the other end. So, so like never, Try to make a hero or a guru out of out of somebody else, especially mm -hmm. on the internet, because m most of the people who are taking advantage of that now know exactly what they're doing. And in social media, it's easier than ever to kind of be that hero or that celebrity or whatever and try to play that up. And that's what leads people down the wrong path because you're you're taking away their own agency when that happens. So everyone who's listening out there, just like make sure that you keep the keys to yourself, <laughs> you know, make sure that you keep your own, uh, self-reliance. I love that. Make sure that you keep the keys to yourself. That is beautiful. I always love to, uh, to make, you know, these shows about the, the beloved listener. Um, so for people that like, you know, maybe they're doing one thing in life and they wish that they were doing something else. I mean, what are some tips that you have for them um, in terms of making that transition uh, slowly, abruptly, or maybe doing both at once? I love that question. Do both <laughs> at once. Uh, be willing to be bad at the beginning at all of it. Um, that's, in fact, one of the reasons that I play so many instruments is because, like, I'm a guitar player in my identity someplace, 
probably because other people have told me that so many times. And so if I play guitar badly, then I'll feel really badly about myself. Whereas like if I play the banjo badly, who cares? If I play like some random instrument from Russia badly, like who can even tell? Who cares? So um, give yourself that freedom wherever you have like your identity tied up in your thing, whether you're like a great runner, you're a great um, volleyball player or you're a great driver, whatever it is, like, let that go for a second. Remember what it felt like to be a kid who was playing and open up your brain to new experiences, to having fun again, and, and to playing like a kid. We don't have to be super gruff about everything. We don't have to be serious about everything. In fact, if we are, we're worse at learning. Um, if, if you look at almost anything, we do best when we're in the creative state, not in the state where we're following rules, whether it's being polite or maintaining decorum or what have you. It's more about just like kind of stream of consciousness, playing, experimenting. So a lot of people are just like, well, how can you do like do a health podcast and then like play a bunch of music and write music and write poetry and write serious, but it's like, it's all the same thing. Every, every project that I follow that I do, I hope for it to make me better at the other things that I do. And in fact, I think if you let it and you see the connections, that really happens. But also, it's like I'm not doing all these things at the same time. When someone reads a bio, right, like all the impressive things you've done with your life, Max, and I don't, I don't mean that in uh, a bad way at all. I'm not making fun. It's like when you hear that all back to back in one paragraph, it sounds like it happened all at the same time. It didn't, right? Like right. all of these things took many years of preparation and planning and practice and what have you. And then at some point, boom, it just, it happens or it's done or other people see it. And so um, give yourself plenty of time. Like 80% of the stuff that happens is completely behind the scenes. You get zero credit for it, probably 99% really. <laughs> but it's true. But I would say each thing makes you better at the other things as long as you're, you're coming at it with the right growth mindset, you know, with, with the idea that it's possible for you to learn new things and be better than you are. That's beautifully said, and I couldn't agree more that, that you know, learning to do new things and playing, experimenting, and staying curious definitely is going to have a spillover effect in the other things that you enjoy doing. By, you know, me, I, I'm also a musician. By by practicing my guitar, by, you know, getting, by working at singing and getting, becoming a better and better singer, it actually, you know, can help you be a better writer or a better, um, you know, in front of the camera. Uh, so, I mean, that's just like... Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. So I've got one more question, but before I get to that, where can uh, listeners find you out there in the ether of the internet? On the internet, you can always find me uh, for the health related <laughs> stuff, especially at fatburningman.com. And if you're, uh, that's also the name of the podcast. If you're interested in, in the more artsy fartsy stuff, the music, uh, the virtual reality adventures, then that's uh, at abeljames.com, A-B-E-L james.com he's shirtless everywhere folks everywhere um everywhere okay last question abel thank you so much for being here what does it mean to you to live like a genius <laughs> wow i was not expecting that to live like a genius i don't know i guess i think of living like a person more than i think of living like a genius the Genius part, you always want to strive after being the best that you could possibly be. And I think one of the 
probably the biggest part of that is going to be your mind, right? Really trying to grow. But in order to grow your mind, all these other things really need to be in place. So um, I see it holistically. If you want to live a genius life, then you need to live a good life all around. And if you're missing, it's like if you're super smart and you cheat on your wife or kill people or have no ethics, then it's like that's not a genius life at all. It's not all intellectual. Um, I think true genius is is extremely well balanced. Like when I when I think of the word genius, I think of someone like Da Vinci, who like is the Renaissance man, right? And so, in order to be that, I think you need to be a little bit of everything. And we can't forget that that's how we all started as children. We hadn't decided what we were yet, and so uh, we could be anything. And and that never changed. Well said. You may you remind me of uh, when I was in college. I had a friend who. Um, he was Moroccan and English wasn't, uh, his first language. And so, you know, people that, um, that are, that, that speak English as like a second or third language, they have to, um, contend with, with conveying sometimes big ideas with very simple language. And he always used to say, Max, you have to make friends with your mind. And I was like, (laughs) I like that's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. Make friends with your mind. (laughs) On that note, Abel James, thank you so much for being here, man. Hey, this thanks is, uh, for having me. Max, you're oh, you're doing a great job with this show. I'm really psyched that you are building your own platform to kind of do whatever you want to do because we're both still youngish and we have a lot of good work ahead of us and I can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks, man. That means the world to me. Well, guys, thank you as always for listening to The Genius Life. Your attention is so appreciated. Don't forget to share this episode on social media. Maybe uh, mention perhaps your favorite part of it, your favorite soundbite, tag Abel, tag me, um, leave a comment on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the podcast or a review. That would be super duper appreciated in terms of helping spread the word. This has been another episode of The Genius Life. Peace.